0: Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting
1: towards
2: that, like, some greater purpose? Every with bloated we are the only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his This is Michael Mann, and I ride with Extended Clip.
3: Welcome to Extended Clip. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum.
2: I'm JT White,
3: and we are here for the sixth double feature of the Reunion Tour. In Timeline A, did they just start talking in these movies? We're done with the silent era. Malcolm, you have to talk into the mic. I know we've
4: only been doing this
2: for five years. What it feels finally. Like. We're, we finally hit the good movies.
4: <laughs> yeah, finally. Well, this was... Eddie, what you don't, I've been doing it for so long, they didn't really pick up on podcasting technique. You know, we were talking about silent movies. I was talking off mic. It's Oh, you were doing yeah, a conceptual yeah. bit. Yeah, okay. it's, you know, we try not to call attention to the gears of the machine while they're running. Uh, but, no, yeah, those we watched some good movies this week.
3: Yeah, we did. Uh, 1932's Love Me Tonight is what we're talking about in Timeline A as we were covering 1930 to 32. And in Timeline B, 2010 back to 2008, we're meeting one of our old friends. We last talked to him for the last double feature of the original run of Extended Clip, our old friend David Fincher. I thought you were
4: going to say our old friend Mark Zuckerberg.
3: Well, he's another friend of ours. I haven't talked to him in even longer. Um, But The Social Network, the 2010 film by David Fincher... Is our timeline B movie, but we're starting with timeline A. We're starting with Reuben Mamoulian's "Love Me Tonight," starring the one and only Maurice Chevalier. JT, you're a big, a bit of a uh, Chevalierian figure uh why don't you take the lead on this
2: one i I am i well that is very very flattering at least out of the uh,
3: three of us yeah (laughs) you say you uh, you know you're over there in philly you see the you know shaved apes we got on the other end of the phone line we're not looking so good over here
2: (laughs) um no i really like i was very excited to bring this one to the pot like i um I don't know. I feel like, I, I mean, there are a lot of people that go to bat for it and love this movie. But I feel like it's not talked about as much as like a big canon classic. And the first time I saw it, I was just like blown away by the whimsy of it. And just like the effortless. I mean, I think we what we have here in this double feature is another classic extended clip portrait of two characters And the importance of swag and like how much, how, how effortless and gleeful your life can be. If you're just, yeah, you don't need to, you don't need to be a billionaire and own like the largest tech company. You could just be a simple tailor who happens to get some really rich pussy. But like, (laughs) you're just like, even before then you're having a great time.
4: Yeah. Guy comes in naked he's like i need a suit i was cheating on my wife he's like oh this is paris the tale of romance it's natural to swap partners here, man. to get the suit
3: on Um, uh yeah i this film is just full of sex and glee and it's you know it's a pre-code movie so it's a little raunchy however Mm -hmm. it was censored uh in its re-release uh after the 1934 code and the version that we can watch today is actually like 10 minutes shorter than what was originally ran on film in its original release. So there could be some even dirtier, I mean, most likely a lot dirtier stuff. Uh, apparently what was cut and never restored was mainly of the Myrna Loy character, the Countess. Yeah. Uh, so you can only imagine how raunchy that would get.
4: She's probably trying to... She's, she's probably know,
3: trying to get, fuck Maurice Chevalier. Yeah, and
4: he was like, oh no, no. Um. Oh no, no. My eyes <laughs> for the princess. Um, But yeah, I mean, this, this, this movie, I'm glad we, this, because this does have the pre-code feel to it, you know what I mean? So I'm glad Mm -hmm. we kind of did, you know, in our pre-code period for the time, you know, even without really thinking about it, like there is, this one does have a lot of the pre-code swag where it's like, you know, a lot of like innuendo and whatnot and uh, all that fun stuff and, you know, Chevalier kind of being a hound dog relentless for this, this one woman and, uh, I mean, Chevalier is one of my favorite screen presences, you know, probably ever. I mean, probably the best kind of to do, like, this uh, effortless guy that attracts so much women, you know what I mean? But he also, you know, he knows how to hang with the, the fellas as well. And uh, I think, uh, you know, and it's so funny because a lot of his movies are, you know, vehicles to let him do that, right? To They're basically... A lot of Chevalier movies are like, you know, there's this woman who's, you know, unconvinced and, you know, you could get any woman you want, but you got to go get the one that doesn't want you. You know what I mean? I think there's there's like a Lubitsch movie. I forgot which one where like he's in like the military and they like basically hire him to seduce someone just because he's so, you know, that's his that's his reputation. And, I, you know, I think that's a delicate balance. Right. You know what I mean? Because that in in its most kind of I don't know. Vulgar forms might be an unlikable character, but one you know you have the whimsy of this direction and kind of like this romantic comedy slash kind of like low effort musical you know uh aspect to this movie that that really uh, I don't know it really just uh is super romantic and uh really it's really funny too very funny movie when you say low effort musical.
3: I think what you mean is that there's not like crazy choreography and staging and whatnot. Yeah. And the songs feel like they spring out of conversation. And there's a lot of conversations that are in rhyme and are verging on songs. But I think this is stealthily a very high effort musical because it is a musical that involves montage. I mean, we, we start with um, a real city symphony, city symphony five years earlier would mean something like man with a movie camera right but now that music is in it we have this literal city symphony where it's the sounds of this village waking up all adding up to this instrumental cue and then it goes into um you know the window of maurice chevalier's apartment and uh he just starts talk singing basically and then once we get to isn't it romantic the, the first real big number, and the, the I think just the second number in the movie, we just traverse throughout the city. Like, it's just so crazy. The song spreads like wildfire, and you just... It's the combination of pre-recorded music, lip sync, and montage. And there's just all these little bursts of, you know, camera movement and mise-en-scene in all these different locales. It's just a really smart way to approach a musical. And in Rosenbaum's piece, he talks about, like, how there's two types of musicals, essentially. And there's a lot that cover both of these ground, But kind of the two poles between which musicals can uh, go are ones that are, like, Performance showcases; these are the ones with lots of you know long takes of people singing and dancing. Uh, and then there's ones that are more about metaphysical stages of being, and that's where the musical gets surreal. That's where you get stuff like the Vincent Minnelli musicals, and you know stuff like Singing in the Rain does both of them. Singing in the Rain, uh, A Star Is Born does both of them, I think. And this one also really does both. It's like it's a performance showcase in the sense that Jeanette McDonald. And Maurice Chevalier are just on the screen for so much, and they're just doing so much. But really, I think that whole metaphysical state of being thing is really appropriate as we use these songs to kind of build out the world that this film takes place. Da, 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 da,
0: da, 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 Goodbye. Isn't it romantic? Da, 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 da. Oh no, I need some air. Isn't it romantic? Last I've got a fair railroad station. Not too fast. I hate to take a chance. Isn't it romance?
2: From that intro alone, I feel like it this makes this like one of the most like perfect, like it's like the perfect choice for our first film of the sound era in this timeline, because it's all re- like it's such an early sound movie, but you're combining so many elements so well, and just to produce like such pure like spectacle and glee. And throughout the movie, the form is just like um like is it during like the hunt when like the animals are like sort of like slowed down, yeah, like, the frame rate oh, yeah. there. And, yeah, no, there's just so many, like, moments like that, and some of it are, like, a little bit, like, stealthier than others, but there where it's just, like, you're, you have sound, and, like, you have, you're able to, like, finally do a musical now, and combine that in with just, like, already, like, techniques of, like, editing and, like, montage that have been established, but to just seamlessly blend them all together, and to have it be a finished product that is just, like, I don't know, really light on its feet.
4: No, there's a lot of, like, really good visual moments in a movie that could easily just lay its shoulders on, or lay its weight on the shoulders of, you know, the performers. But, you know, this Mamoulian guy, I I, I, I need to get into this Mamoulian guy. This is the only movie I've seen by him, the director, Robert Mamoulian. There's a lot of great visual moments, like, even at the beginning, where, you know, you first see the castle, and he kind of does that thing where he zooms into the uh, window, windows of the castle and then, like, you know, crossfades it with, like, then, you know, the inside, and it kind of gives you the effect of, like, you know, the camera going through the window and whatnot, and, you know, how he shoots some of these musical sequences. I mean, there's something uh, when um, Chevalier is performing for all those people at, like, the fancy dress-up dinner party and he's dressed as the common man, and you see him, you know, give this uh, great performance where he woos everyone. You have Chevalier doing, you know, center center frame doing this performance and then you, you see his huge shadow, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's kind of, you know, the you know, you have the man himself and then the 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 legend of him, you know, yeah. is is so huge.
3: I mean that's maybe the best part of this movie and I wanna give it more weight. Uh, more context for those who haven't seen it. So let's set this up a little bit. Yeah, we haven't this, really done this the narrative. Plot. Yeah. yeah. So Chevalier, he's a tailor. Uh, one of his customers is a nephew of royalty, and so he makes him all these clothes, uh, and he gets a big credit. But then this nephew, he's he's a bit of a fail nephew, if you will. Uh, and the 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 royal uncle is like, "What are you doing, man? I'm going to cut you off if you ask me for any more fucking money." So he cannot pay the bill uh chevalier's you know fucked because of it and then he's just like, I'm just going to go hang out with them. And the dude's like, yeah, just be pretend to be like a baron or something. You'll be fine. Uh, so Chevalier just like hangs out with this royal family and very soon after falls in love with the princess played by Jeanette MacDonald. Uh, we also have the young countess played by Myrna Loy. Uh, and it doesn't really fall into like a pure love triangle with them. But Myrna Loy pops up in that context yeah. a few times. And it's usually for a comedic effect for you know, Chevalier to be like, eh, thanks, but no
4: thanks you know (laughs) my eyes are only set to one
3: yeah exactly um but you guys were talking about the visual style and i I really love it i mean the 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 setup for isn't it romantic you have him in that three-way mirror that kind of Mm -hmm. screen mirror that he uses as a tailor uh and the way that mamoulian shoots it it's so fun and full of life because he doesn't just stay on that shot of all three panels of the mirror. He then does these things where he's like swooping between one and the other and cutting between them. And he's just finding so many new angles. And it's just it's so fantastic in that regard. And as we're learning about this, this manor where the royals live, you know, what looks to be... A miniature model of it uh we keep seeing this exterior shot of it and the camera just keeps swooping around the manor and just like crashing into these rooms and you'll cut inside to the room where you meet a new character of this you know royal family or whatever and uh it's just it's so awesome you got all these a great gag is uh when uh, the the man of the house is like oh yeah they're all playing bridge you know and it cuts to the the group of old like half dead looking people playing bridge i don't know i i feel like it's half like comedy of manners type thing and a half like very vulgar comedy
4: totally yeah no it definitely kind of plays off of uh you know who's this outsider coming into this rule this world of you know rules and you know whatever but half of the joke is you know like like chevalier you know being you know being like he's I'm, peppy thinking, l- he's yeah, peppy look I'm thinking of you if your clothes oh, yeah. off yeah but in, in a different outfit yeah <laughs> Yeah. you know uh, it's uh, like uh. just just things like that you know or just casual implications like you know myrna lloyd's like oh yeah i'd want to have a meeting with him you know what i mean yeah. but you know done in much more comedic ways than the very dry way i'm delivering it but uh yeah it it, it is uh I, I think it's it's good because it never leans too much on any of those things so it kind of you know it's it's a very well balanced movie because you know there are a lot of like famously rules of the game but there's a lot of movies where it's like you know some some bum guy comes in and all the rich people are like what what did, what's this guy about yeah. you know what I mean and it does it does a little bit of that but it does it in a way that feels very original stuff
3: well yeah I was gonna say it's two types of stories that we've talked about on this podcast as Like tales as old as time for comedy movies. You know, there's the class ascension story, which goes from Chaplin all the way to Dumb and Dumber. You know, uh it's you know, a bum who's out of place and he's like, This stuff is crazy. Yeah. Uh you have plenty of chaplin shorts that are like that, and as I said, Dumb and Dumber is a good enough recent reference of that with them entering the whole Aspen culture. Uh same kind of comedy. <laughs> same exact kind of comedy. And you also have the age old kind of romantic comedy of one person pretending to be a different person until the very end of the movie. I mean we've talked about that since the beginning of the pod because just by the facet of that being such a common trope in romantic storytelling, especially romantic comedies, we've talked about 30 of those movies, you know? So this is a perfect setup for that. Uh, He's pretending to be a baron. He's French. He's a little fancy with it, so he can just get away with it. Uh, And then the scene that you talked about where he's dressed as the common man, He's just wearing his clothes from the first scene. And so he's, you know, pretending to be this baron who is pretending to be this common man. And that, of course, is when he's able to woo over everybody and truly make the princess fall in love with him, even if she's repulsed by him at first, because he's just being himself. And that's like a classic fucking, you know, romantic comedy trope even. But with, you know, look, they it's a classic structure for a reason. Uh, it's very good. And then when you have a director like Mamoulian, you have these Rogers and Hart songs that are so playful and clever and hilarious. And you have Chevalier and McDonald killing it. and You have Myrna Loy killing it. It's just, it fires on all cylinders. This is an amazing yeah. movie. I don't know. I, I, yeah. yeah. It really, it's so yeah. like, it's hard not to just go through every scene saying, oh, that was sick, wasn't it? That was so good and funny <laughs> and romantic and clever, you know?
2: And, I mean, to hit on a note of, like, uh, I'm not sure how much of it was, like, painted backdrops versus, like, real set design. But I think, like, when Mamoulian takes us to, like, this big castle estate, we really get, like, a whole sense of, like, scale. Like yeah. I mean, he he takes it back then where it's, like, I feel like, I mean, certainly a lot of it is told in, like, very like sort of gauzy soft like close-ups but then you also like pull back a little bit to see these characters and they're just like dwarfed by these huge (laughs) like ornate environments that are mostly empty
4: there's a lot of you know a lot of like kind of uh sly things that like are just really masterful about this movie and like i love kind of the way he paints the city compared to like life in the castle because it is like I mean, city, literally, he has, you know, the rhythm of, you know, the work and, you know, the activity of the city, you know, starting the day and whatnot. And then, you know, this is kind of all beginning stuff, but and then you kind of cut to the castle and just no one's doing anything. Everyone's just kind of like laying around, playing bridge, just kind of wasting time. Everyone, you know, people who are there, they want to go to the city. That's where the action's at, you know what I mean? And it, it is like, I do kind of, I like, I like that, like, uh. Mamoulian paints like this kind of, you know, rich, you know, idle life as something you know, basically this, this whole platform is ready for Chevalier to come in and tear tear it up with his common world knowledge, you know, just the the seasoning of life he has to him compared to like a lot of these, you know, uh people in the castle who just, you know, are obsessed with, you know, their the ongoings of each other. Very, you know, uh you know in the grand scheme of things just very gossipy and uninteresting things kind of like how you know the musical sequence you know the butlers and the maids and all you know the workers in the castle being like you know when they find out he isn't a baron they're like i can't believe i shined that guy's shoes and cooked cooked him (laughs) stew and he was a common man himself um it's 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 it just shows that like it's kind of uh it does it does that kind of like the traditions of old are kind of silly in a way that's very well by just highlighting how uh, you know cool Chevalier is and how everyone is just like, who is this guy? Like, let's keep <laughs> him around. Uh,
3: his first real meeting with the princess, outside of the manor, uh, his first real romantic encounter with her while she's out riding, she's singing a song, and I was like, this is so familiar. I'm pretty sure it's a song that Jerry Lewis dubs over in uh, The Errand Boy. There's a scene where he, like, dubs over a song from a musical like this. and
0: Lover, when you find me, you me?
1: Uh, but
3: then they have Their Song Really it's him Serenading her That like Mimi Song And it's it Mainly in Like shot Reverse shot And I had never seen Anything so s- Simple And Just like Stately Almost In a musical Where they're both Just shot from like The chest up Shot reverse shot She's like Flattered But at the same time Scandalized by the lyrics Of the song And he's just Singing straight into camera And it's So compelling. I I loved that.
2: Yeah, I think the whole movie like has a general sort of like simplicity to it. But then there are just like little tweaks and little touches. And like I think the, the simple elements of the film are obviously very well crafted and like well done. You have great performances. You're working with great music. But then you do get those little flourishes of just a little bit extra style, a little bit extra pizzazz. Memolian puts some stank on it when he does uh, like a dissolve, uh, like that overlays like them with the clouds Mm -hmm. or like uh, at first or when he does that again with them like laying in separate beds, of course, but like their two pillows like over the clouds at night, uh, just like expert shit there just like just the the tiniest touch of it
4: no well that's the thing like you like you know the comedy and like the musical stuff of this movie are is of course great but what kind of took this movie over the top for me that last kind of like 40 minutes 30 Mm -hmm. minutes of romantic overdrive really reaches some pretty euphoric like next level romantic filmmaking moments for me like i I, i really think you know they uh Everyone went for broke here, and uh, it, it's uh, like a uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it, but all the stuff with like the cross cutting and whatnot is just is so masterful. Yeah, so I mean, masterful. that
3: initial dissolve comes uh, on their first dissolve, kiss, yeah. uh, because there's cross cutting that comes after it at the very
1: end
4: with, with the, the horse, yeah, 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 dissolve. That's what uh, it but
3: it starts with the dissolve of them embracing finally and kissing, and it dissolves it to them. Over these clouds and it just looks incredible. But the shot before that, it's like, it's these really long takes of just two shots of them talking. And Mm -hmm. it's just so, it's just all up to the actors at that point. Like when Mamoulian's not doing a stylistic flourish, he's letting the actors just fucking... Go off, and if they don't go off, it'll feel naked. But luckily, he has Jeanette McDonald alongside the god, Chevalier. Chevalier. I'm the
4: only one who's allowed to steal a kiss, like yeah, that.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, pause, dude. <laughs> hey, uh, it was, uh, uh, it's uh, a movie from the 30s, about a hundred years before that, when there were princesses and shit. You yeah, know? it's o- old time rules. It's light, it's very light. <laughs> it's light humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all about light humor on this <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. Of but yeah it, the romantic flourishes just get so heavy with those dissolves and like jt mentioned when it goes into a split screen of them uh in their separate beds and then dissolves that again over clouds or whatever and like later on when he finally has to leave because like all of these movies it has the moment where he tells the naked truth and the seamstress is insulted <laughs>
4: No, that's the whole house is scandalized. <laughs> he's he's just a tailor. <laughs> that I mean, that's great, and that's what I was talking about. Like the those old the three old ladies characters who are just literally portrayed as like squawking birds, like you know, uh, w- you know, waddling around the house, being like, is see the tailor? He's the ta- the Baron's a tailor." And uh, I love I love that moment where they they find Chevalier, you know. Doing you know getting her measurements you know what I mean a little bit of a uh, um, little phantom thread action little phantom thread you know the measurement rope to the chest type action and he even like charms his way out of that being like oh no I'm just helping her you know t- you know uh, uh, make the clothes yeah. that, that is such a funny like sequence of events where they're like. Like, all right, you could help make her clothes or whatever, and they're like, wait, it's like, oh, wait, the dress is too good. It's like, how is this possible? Yeah, <laughs> that dress is good, a little too good. All right, I'm a
3: tailor. <laughs>
0: He's not a baron. He's a tailor. What? He's a baron. He's not a baron. He's a tailor. Oh. Ah.
3: So, yeah, that that's the truth is laid out and he has to he has to hit the road jack. And uh then the dissolves start and I think it's a really smart piece of filmmaking here at the climax where Um, He's walking away, you know, you get this great pair of shots to dissolve, you you know, you have Jeanette McDonald looking out the window and you have this long trail that Chevalier is walking up and then slowly he makes his way up to the train station as she's tortured in her room and then it switches from the overlays to cross-cutting and it cuts between the train that he gets on and the gears of the train and Jeanette McDonald getting on a horse and eventually just the hooves of the horse and just cutting back and forth faster and faster and faster in the montage to the point where each shot lasts like a less than half a second probably whether it's the train gears or the horse uh horse, no horse's hooves uh and she stands in front of the fucking train to get it to stop what a fucking great image that is, right? Or as right as the trains coming around the bend, and I don't know. It's just such a fantastic finale, as the, then they're enshrouded in smoke, and it's such a great metaphor uh, with the train and everything for how charged their romance has been. Yeah. How it's just not even a metaphor; it's a visualization of it. It's just that is what this movie is. It's a fucking freight train of romance and joy coming at you at a hundred miles That's an awesome. hour. It's That's just. Awesome. just it's 88 minutes long in its current form, and it feels like 45 minutes. It just zooms right by you and lifts you off off your feet. Five bullets for me.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a fantastic movie. You know, it flows like water. Um, JT, thank you for bringing it to the pot. Because, yeah, I've always associated, like, oh, like, JT really likes this movie, so i got to check it out. Yeah. Um, and it is, like, that, that the way that ends... It is like you know can a horse go as fast as a train i don't know if that like i she like, cut it off at
3: the past yeah yeah it, 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 she it had it's... to take the shortcut
4: oh real? okay well i get it now then well i was thinking like the power of love i mean oh, the sure. horse horse go as fast as the train you know what i mean kind of defeating a lot but you know what that that makes sense too amazing movie jt what do you think um, yeah, I'm going
2: five... Did you say five bullets?
4: I did say five bullets.
2: Okay, well, I'm going five bullets as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I... You fellows have really hit the nail on the head. But I feel like the end, um... It's honestly a little, little good motivation for men. Yeah. You be the princess. Make her work for it. <laughs> she should be chasing you sometimes. It's okay. It Flip the script. Like, you're, okay. like... You're a tailor. That's okay, buddy. Like you're just working. Like you're working a shit job. Like you're, but you're charming as fuck, buddy. Make her work for it. Yeah.
4: It's, it's sometimes when the ball is not in your court, you got to walk away from the situation entirely. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you see the upper hand, she has the upper hand. Just try. Just try to like. What if you deject completely, and that might work. That she might. She might care enough about you to wear... You know, she comes running in she'll on the She'll realize horse. she does. Yeah, yeah. S- especially if she's in a room all day or something. Yeah, like she'll that. be
2: in a room thinking about you on a train headed elsewhere, and just, damn, that'll tear her up.
4: Uh, work harder, not smarter. Or work smarter, not harder, is what I meant. <laughs> good good angle, JT. I forgot about the male. This is a male, a male motivation <laughs> podcast, so... Yeah. No comment Romance. on all of that. Romance wins. Love wins.
3: From your host. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no, I will agree that love wins. Yes. <laughs> love wins. Love we'll be wins. back on Extended Clip.
0: You're a dream. Oh, give me just a moment. Just to sing to you, Mimi. You're mad. And my name's not Mimi. Yes. I am mad. My left shoe's on my right foot My right shoe's on my left Oh, listen to me, Mimi Of reason, I'm bereft The buttons of my trousers Are buttoned to my vest Oh, listen to me, Mimi There's fashion in my breast Mimi You funny little good for nothing Mimi Am I the guy? And
3: we're back on Extended Clip It's Malcolm in the Middle Life is Unfair Uh, We're filling in our years here in timeline a 1930 is where we started this week and uh i will start in 1930 with joseph von sternberg's morocco this is of course uh one of the films he made with uh marlene dietrich and it is my favorite i gotta say uh you know foreign legionnaire uh fucking gary cooper as Tom Brown, which is such a great classic American name for uh, the foreign French Legion <laughs> like, in the 30s they couldn't have like some Marie Chevalier type dude they're like, let's get a real American in here playing the French guy um, but it's just I feel yeah. like the most straightforward, like tale of seduction almost in his, uh, it, in that series of films for me. Maybe it's just because of how stone faced mm-hmm. Gary Cooper is. You don't really have like the antics that go on in the other ones. It's like, yeah. this is a military guy who knows he has a limited amount of time with this woman. And he's, I think he's going to make it count if you know what I mean. Uh, but he also doesn't want to get too attached. And uh, it's, it's a really interesting, just, you know, Two actor heavyweight classic movie with a fantastic ending. I think the last like 15 minutes of Morocco is what elevates it above the other ones for me. There's just sternberg shooting in those wide open spaces after so much of this movie is the classic sternberg stuff where it's all these diffused shots with all these things like obscuring the image almost of these beautiful people uh then you just get these wide open spaces toward the end and the you know the love just seems so impossible and doomed uh as they're all riding away and it's just it's so beautiful
4: and, you know, it's funny, same year he releases The Blue Angel. True. Germ- I think a German movie, technically, or whatever. I think um, they
3: shot it in both languages. Yeah,
4: interesting. And I, I like that one because it's kind of like Sternberg's Past and Future, mm-hmm. where it's uh, Emil Jannings and then, of course, Dietrich, who, you know, he'd go on to make, you know, numerous amazing films with. And it is, it's kind of a classic of a, you know,. Hot lady seduces older loser dude, makes him <laughs> go crazy or whatever. Uh, I think that's how it goes. Yes, from my memory yeah, yeah, that yeah. is how it goes. It, this, I saw this one a while back and uh I don't know. It's fantastic, you know, Dietrich doing her doing what, you know, maybe no one else did better, you know, kind of, you know seducing, you know, toying with men and then Emile Jennings, you know, perfect uh, tortured face to, you know, ride around and and then you know we went to 31
3: actually real yeah. quick
4: yeah. before before we go
3: before we go to 31 i want to shout out something in 1930 um let's get into some non like huge afterwards let's talk about a little bit of american avant-garde okay. uh photography and moving image arts we have ralph steiner's mechanical principles ralph steiner Mainly known as a still photographer from what I know, but this is just a series of close-ups of mechanical gears for 11 minutes uh, released in 1930. Not exactly seen by large audiences, more of an art exhibit kind of thing. But man, if you like in old movies where they show like mechanical gears and industrial stuff like that, just watch this on a loop. It's it's (laughs) awesome. I don't really know the deeper avant-garde meaning. I just think it's cool.
4: If you enjoy the sh- TV show, How It's Made, yes. you know, you'll enjoy that. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: by the way, I like this more expansive Malcolm in the Middle. Now that we're getting into the years that, admittedly, we've seen more movies from, it's like, might as well. Yeah, I uh, guess it's going to
4: get like two and a half hours long cares. now. 1931. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I went with uh, an, an an enemy of uh, Eddie's, actually the Marx Brothers. I, I, <laughs> I love the Marx <laughs> Brothers. What are you talking known, about? Known, I
3: might prefer the Stooges.
4: Anti-Marxist uh, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Every, i really know Eddie hates Marxism. Um, he's all about his money nowadays. He's rubbing his bills. Uh, but <laughs> monkey business. I, you know, I feel like we we kind of covered. I feel like we covered a lot of like the like Chaplin, Keaton, even Harold Lloyd, you know, in these kind of Malcolm in the Middle's and it's like what am I going to watch a fucking Laurel and Hardy movie? No, I'm going to watch a Marx Brothers movie. And uh, Monkey Business, uh, it definitely delivered. It's a lot of fun. It's pure it's it's pure gags. Like it is it, it's a movie that lives basically gag to gag. You know, almost in a way, you know, with kind of like Chaplin, you kind of have, you know, emotional through lines, you know, he, the Chaplin's going to throw like a very heartfelt you know, romantic subplot, or the movie will be about that, you know, romance or whatever. Marx Brothers are just four silly guys. You know what I mean? Not really much to them. Um, you know, you got Groucho, bushy mustache. He chomps well, on does, the cigar. Does
3: Harpo. Pl- I think the people know who the Marx Brothers are. We don't really need to. <laughs> JT, what, what, what are you
2: saying? Does, does Harpo play his harp in this one as the oh, yeah. Jonathan Richmond song? Because that is one moment. I feel like where they, Jonathan Richmond in the song sums it up very well, but I do love those beautiful little asides from, like, a movie. Like, you're talking about, like, Marx Brothers movies are just, like, just gag city. You're just loading them in there. But then you just get some beautiful harp playing that, like, takes you to another world like aside from that from just like the goofy view
3: well when harpo played his harp it was a mystery all the laughing stopped back to the balcony
1: Chico, Chico, sure please now let's
2: watch him shoot the keys when harpo would play his harp Still, when Harpo
1: harp, totally.
4: No, yeah. Harpo Harpo does bust out life. his harp. What, you know, the, the light plot that there is on this movie, we got four stowaways coincidence. The four stowaways are the Marx brothers and, you know, they're not supposed to be there. So they, they get caught as stowaways. And then, so they're basically running around the boat, pretending to be people that they're not, you know, a lot of gags in that you know tr- you know, going into the kitchen pretending to be a chef going to the barber pretending to be a barber but eventually you know there's two gangsters on the boat and eventually the Marx brothers you know two of them on separate sides kind of get mixed up with the gangsters and uh, you know there's some tomfoolery but basically it really this really does exist on a gag to gag basics you know you got Groucho, you know, given all the, the ribbings, you know what I mean? I, I, I do like, you know, this is a uh, anyone who's seen any Marx Brothers will comment on this, but it's like I do like the balance you get from like the physical humor from Harpo and then kind of, the, you know, the more uh, like uh, dialogue-based gags that you get with Groucho. And then, you know, Zeppo, <laughs> Zeppo does his thing, you know what I mean? There's another one. Uh, but I, I really enjoy... In- <laughs> yes I really I mean there's there's certain moments that like I I, I think are worth pointing out like I love the puppet show sequence where Harpo basically (laughs) pretends to be one of the puppets and you know the cop or I guess it's a sea captain or some some fucking some sailor you know who's chasing after him you know basically chases him around a puppet booth basically like five times over and, and you know it is you know with this these movies kind of being uh living and dying by their gags you know it, 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 they know how to have a good hit rate and get as much juice out of a, a certain sequence uh you know take it for all it's worth rather you know than rush through it i think you know there's a lot of humor in that kind of like the continuation of a bit you know almost maybe even going on longer than you thought makes it even funnier and funnier and they're very good at that um Groucho hitting on the ladies, always, always funny. You know, oh, where's your husband at? You know, uh, that's one of the lines in the movie. Yeah, I, it's I, 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 I classic I, Groucho I, 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 <laughs> well, Where's your husband at? Hey,
2: where's your husband?
4: Or, uh, you know, I'd, looks uh, like
2: we got a fifth Marx brother with us right here. Yeah,
4: Groucho Junior. Malco, uh, Malco, that would Malco. that does Malco <laughs> Marx. I do like you being Malco Marx now. <laughs> and I, I wonder what my thing could be. I don't, I could just be like Zeppo where I don't do much either. I'm just there. Zeppo the whole time is just trying to like get with a woman, I guess. I guess that's, you know, respectable. Look, the man wants to start a family.: I was going to say there's there's I guess there's, that's not a bad way to spend your time. but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie. 32 let's go on to 32 that's what we just talked about the movie we we talked about
3: love me tonight so we're done with timeline a for this week timeline b starts in 2008 and you know what's funny about 2008 we've talked about like most of the best movies from 2008 on the podcast already like we did a podcast on night and day speed racer rob the bonnet the jody the happening red belt did we do one on sparrow no we didn't do it on sparrow but that feels like we've done one on it I wanted to talk... Oh, we talked about Mamma Mia. <laughs> We've talked about, like,
4: Gran Torino a lot. Maybe not yeah, exactly. Episode. We
3: haven't done an episode on Gran Torino, but I feel like that's in the cards at some point. But anyway, the curious case of Benjamin Button is one I wanted oh, to talk about because, because we're Fincher. about to get into some Fincher and... I just, want to talk, I just want to do a little prelude uh, for Digital Fincher, because I left this off last week when we were talking about the streak he was on, and I don't think Benjamin Button is as great as those other movies. You know, he did Zodiac before this, but it really is a step deeper into the water, the way of water, if you will. If we're going to continue our Cameron metaphor, uh, because we just talked about the way of water and did our episode on that 30 minutes ago. He is going one step deeper into the digital realm here. There's so much CG effects. There's like a CG hummingbird outside the window. Uh, there's all this, you know, we'll see in social network. There's some uh, CGI snowflakes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and there's some uh, liberal snowflakes too, uh, if you know uh, what I
4: mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's why that's why I wear my coat every day. <laughs> But
3: The Curious Case of Benjamin Button is a tragic, uh, you know, fantasy, I guess, tale, science fiction, fantasy. I've never seen it. I don't really know the distinct. I I have to admit there. I'm not good at like uh, the distinction between those two. Um, but regardless, it's it's a romantic uh a story. Sci- a real,
4: real storybook story. Sci-fi is when there's electronics, and then fantasies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like it's yeah. a
3: fantasy.
2: Fantasy is okay. when there's not electronics. Okay.
3: It's a it's a fantasy. Yeah.
4: <clears throat> uh and it's my
3: fantasy, frankly.
4: <laughs> Beautiful
3: dark twist. Uh one. yeah, the man who aged backwards. And it's it's uh, <laughs> you know, Fincher isn't gonna be that obvious with his Uh, kind of tore through American history through a person. It's going to be a lot more stylized than say Forrest Gump or whatever which is an easy comparison to make for this movie. That's what that movie
4: is. I didn't know that's what that
1: movie was. Essentially
3: I mean he's he's traversing through 20th century America as he ages backwards and there's uh, there's a romantic angle where there's someone he always wants to you know meet in the middle with yeah. uh, his his true love, which is a little you know sus at times. But I, I think I, I just love getting swept up in the the grand sweep of it all, if you yeah. will. I think the framing device is a little goofy. Uh, it turns out that they're like in Hurricane Katrina. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. What does that even mean? Like, the person who's telling the story of Benjamin Button wow. is, like, in a hospital in New Orleans. Was <laughs> this Beasts of the Southern Wild? Yeah, that's wow. where it's, like, that. that's where it steps down from a four to a three for me. It's, like, that's
4: completely tasteless. and like <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a bit much. I haven't seen it, though. I, 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 this is all just, I'm hearing this secondhand, so. Fincher not culpable, I guess. I don't know
3: yeah it's like I don't know. I think maybe you know right away you could put the pieces together. I just didn't put the pieces together right away because it was like not thinking about the framing device that much like i I, I didn't really think it. Like it's a August two thousand five New Orleans hospital. It's like okay, you you should know what's coming, but yeah. I guess you don't really think about it much. And then once it starts happening, it's like oh Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> like, or, uh, yeah. but hey, that's the way of water for you, yeah, if you way. will. <laughs> another another movie that is full of water. No, really, it's yeah. it's a very water heavy movie, yeah. and uh, a lot of great CG regarding that. Like a lot of stuff like on the boats. it's like clearly so fake there's one great shot where you see like a rocket taking off or something like that and it's like so fake looking but i love it because it's about just such a fantastical story that it really feels more uh, i want to say like impressionistic almost at times where it's just like vaguely reminiscent of what something should actually look like but it's so stylized that it's awesome and there's like great weird performances along the way and Pitt just really anchors it down and i mean the makeup work obviously is tremendous you kind of have to be to pull off something like this for a perfectionist like fincher you know um i just think fincher is such an interesting choice for a story like this i think it's the only way something like this is actually
2: a good movie is if you have (laughs)
3: someone like fincher behind the wheel 2009
2: Yes, I will be taking us into 2009, and I figured, well, I didn't know what you are going to be talking about for 2008, but I feel like with you uh, picking, I mean, with uh, picking like the social network, I was like, we're obviously going early digital mode to some extent, and I figured, why not tackle a film I haven't seen, uh, the first like, all-digital Michael Mann film, uh, Public Enemies. Uh, it's interesting because I feel Wait, like what now... about Miami Vice? Wait, is that all-digital? I was just going off of what I read, like uh, the production for uh, Public Enemies being like all-digital. I'm not sure if there was some film element to Miami Vice.
3: Oh, maybe, a, yeah. I guess, maybe there's a scene in there or something, but I don't know. I thought Collateral just had the one scene, the nightclub scene that was on film. And then I thought Miami Vice was full digital. I thought I thought Collateral, Collateral was, is full digital except the nightclub. Really, scene. The nightclub I'm, scene yeah, is thirty five. I've
4: got my information confused. I thought there was more. Well, the, the well,
2: regardless, are, yeah. it's like it, it's strike that from the record, but it let it be <laughs> digital man. And I had not seen this one, and I was I don't know, d- curious uh, to say the least. But I feel like now looking at this movie in 2022, there's a metatextual element that people could not have predicted in 2009 with Johnny Depp becoming a folk hero uh, akin to John Dillinger. In many a ways that, <laughs> true, <laughs> um, true. that uh, people are, as opposed to listening to his exploits on radio, uh, moms and family members everywhere are watching TikToks uh, to see about his troubled legal battle. But uh, to get like serious about the movie, um, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. It's probably towards the lower tier of, like, the man films that I've seen. Like, certainly better than, like, The Keep. And I think pretty great. And obviously there are a lot of, like, classic, like, man uh, fixations there. I mean, just the fact that it, it, the movie is about sort of, like, the early, like, beginning of, like, um, the FBI. And there's a whole, like, cop criminal element to it there that there's one of my favorite scenes is like the depth bail confrontation that happens uh, when he like manages to catch Dillinger for a little bit between uh, the jail cell. But I feel like this one, like I feel like black hat is like a lot tighter. And I think this is sort of going like, it's trying to tackle a lot, and I mean, certainly a lot, like, in regards to tech, like, policing, there's, like, melodrama there, and I think the melodrama isn't as successful as other man films, like, I don't know, Depp as a performer, I think, severely lacks, and, like, I I don't know, the stuff with Cotillard is, like, Uh, Very strong, but I I, I don't, I don't know. There's not enough of it for my liking. But there are just, I don't know, so many sequences that really, like, fucking rip. And, like, the digital cinematography is fantastic. I was reading uh, Neil Bahadur's review of it. And he was talking about uh, how there are some shots uh, where it feels like man is just, like, Just trying out what he can do with, like, a digital camera. Just, like, setups that, like, feel like him experimenting with the form in that way. And it is fun to see him be so, like, energized and playful on a formal level. Particularly the end of, like, Dillinger in the movie theater. Like, right before he's about to get got. Like, him watching the movie and, like... Just it feels like a real digital like versus film sort of face off like a synthesis there in the middle and uh, I, I don't know it's a lot of fun very cool um, I, I think it's probably gonna sit with me and I would like to rewatch it again at some point but you fellas have both seen Public Enemies do you have any thoughts.
3: I like it a lot. I think I agree. It's kind of in the lower tier of man films. And the the side note, the cinematography thing, I guess on IMDB, it says uh, some scenes for 35 millimeter on Miami Vice. I don't oh. know what it was. One of you freaks will email in and tell me, I'm sure, with some of you Michael <laughs> Mann freaks. Uh, I love all those movies. I just don't rewatch them obsessively enough to know. Uh, I, I guess I don't uh, rewatch Miami Vice obsessively enough to know. I've seen it twice, and I couldn't tell you what scenes are on thirty-five.
4: Yeah.
3: Um. But yeah, no. Public Enemies absolutely agree. There's some stuff that almost feels documentary-esque, like the handheld stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, the, but the production design is so artificial. It's like, let's just plop this documentary-style uh, digital camera work into this, you know, fantasy land period piece. It's awesome
4: no i was so taken aback by the the style and like the how it looks you know so minimal and digital like i i knew while watching it i was like i need to watch this again like in, in a way just to unlock you know the the visuals i i guess a, a random side note i saw jay electronica see share a scene from public enemies when johnny depp was you know uh having his battle and it was I, I, not, even, not even a memorable scene from public but it's like he's going up to the bar it's like if you're my girl you're gonna I don't remember but something no, that about, is a good scene Or it is I, I is it the one where he like lays yeah. out his story and he's like are you gonna
3: come with me that thing I think so I haven't seen the movie in fucking years but regardless yeah. good movie we'll be right back on Extended Clip control substantial in order to get the attention of the clubs why because they're exclusive and fun and they lead to a better life people want to go on the internet and check out their friends so why not build a website that offers that friends pictures profiles i'm talking about
4: taking the entire social experience of college and putting it online
3: and we're back on extended clip that was creep uh initially composed by tom york and johnny greenwood performed by a children's choir for the trailer, the initial trailer for David Fincher's The Social Network. The 2010 film, co-written, no, written by Aaron Sorkin. If you watched the behind the scenes, you could tell Fincher put a lot of work into that screenplay too. Uh, starring Jesse Eisenberg. Two army hammers. A couple other great actors <laughs> along the way. Um, this is the... I Maybe what it stands for is better than the actual movie. I think the movie is pretty close to perfect. However, it also feels like the film of a generation, even if it wasn't that good, it would still be, you yeah. know, like it really captures something about where we were, you know, kind of like how gone girl looks at that late Obama era, uh, malaise in terms of the economic side of things social network really looks at where we were early obama like early obama era what we thought tech was kind of and like how we treated these people and it's it's so great how cynical it is because at the (laughs) time like we did treat people like this like rock stars and we essentially still do obviously now there's a louder uh minority of people who hate you know, people like Zuckerberg, Musk, etc., cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, et cetera. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think that the cynicism of this movie and uh, its opening scene in particular is really all you need to know about the mission of this movie and what Fincher is attacking here. Because yeah. this is a man who built an empire because a girl didn't like him that much anymore. You know, this yeah. is a creep who not creep, but like a <laughs> weirdo, a nerd who has trouble with girls. And that was like his true motivation for everything. It's like, the, well, I mean, go ahead, I, JT. I,
2: I think like creep is like a totally appropriate because yeah. it's like, it's not just women. It's like with his best friend yeah. early on. And I mean, again, like, there could be, I, I, I mean, like you could debate like the presi- the way like things are presented in terms of being like a legal trial, like a, like or not trial, but like um. What Depo- would you call There's that? two
3: depositions going
2: on. Deposition, that The framing yeah.
3: device of this film is two different lawsuits he's in uh, that he's deposing for.
2: Yeah, framing them as like a deposition, you could. I don't know. I feel like argue like, oh, well, is that the realistic like version of the facts? But like there are points where Zuckerberg. Is like clearly undercutting like the figure that is like obviously his closest friend, just saying like manipulative like bullshit to just mm-hmm. like fuck with him and make him feel like a lesser individual. Like, I don't know, he does get like a pretty, I, I don't want to say like wholly negative portrait, but like it's pretty damning. That the only, the only
4: un-negative thing about zuckerberg is portrayed here is that he's a billionaire he's a bit well fincher respects his intelligence essentially like this is a smart guy you know if you know maybe he doesn't handle his relationships smartly but you know this is a, a driven guy you know who will you know do what you know pretty much uh do anything you know sacrifice anything in order to get where he wants to go and i, I think this movie is so important because it, it taught us a lot of lessons you know what i mean it, it didn't that's you're very right like people this it does have this i mean a very cynical view of you know tech in general you know let alone zuckerberg but um I was gonna call him what Sean Parker. I was gonna call him Sean Baker. Um but, I literally uh, <laughs> almost wrote Sean Baker in my notes twice. Uh, Sean ba- but who knows, maybe there are some parallels. But um um but even like the Sean pa- uh, Parker character, you know, in like its view of uh tech and like uh or even its view of uh, you know, the Army Hammer twins, you know, kind of, you know, just these kind of uh Rich, you know, meatheads who like yeah. Harvard too much—the Winkle the uh, Winkle and like it is, it is like it, it. It taught us, you know, the maybe that the people who are running all this new tech, tech money, you know, maybe they're not, they're not traditional cigar chomping billionaires, you know, that that we all know. They're all shithead kids, you yeah. know, who uh, you know don't respect a you know traditional business acumen and found a basically a back a back internet as kind of like a backdoor in as a way you know into legitimacy you know Mm -hmm. what I mean in a way where I don't know Zuckerberg Zuckerberg's social skills are not so strong right (laughs) so he could if he makes a website powerful enough he can't be denied you know and he can make 400 million friends (laughs) and uh, I think it taught us a lot of the behaviors we think about social media now you know what I mean like it is you know it is about the creating of the first major social media and it it's already built in with some commentary that you know may have been I think I think is fair to say a little bit ahead of its time about how what the allure of Facebook is and what not and uh, I, I think it's a very it's a very tightly wound movie it really mm-hmm. comes at you like a freight train especially with its pacing and I don't know about you guys but you know being a young you know being I think I was like 11 or 12 or maybe like 13, 14. I don't know. So let's say 10 to 13 when this was released, <laughs> you and can do the math pretty easy. It came out in 2010. But it's, it's not important. The math's not important. That, that's not what people are here for. My exact age or whatever. You can't do math. can you? <laughs> uh, I could do it. It's just, it's uh, I need a pen and paper. It's a, it's a whole thing. Um, but this, this, this movie, when I saw this movie, I was kind of taken aback mm-hmm. at a young age. Cause I don't know. It, I feel like the way it's constructed, it's, I almost, it got me thinking about filmmaking. Mm -hmm. You know, the way it kind of cuts through the depositions to, you know, kind of the recalled events and the pacing and the rhythm you get in a movie from that. It really introduced the idea of like how a movie is paced in my mind.
2: I think you bring up a really good point with talking about, I mean, I wasn't as young as you when this was released. Um, but, like, getting you thinking about, like, filmmaking. Yeah, JT, you
3: were in the 16 to 20-year-old range when this was
2: released.
4: <laughs> I'm trying to keep my age a secret.
2: <laughs> um, I don't
4: want everyone to know I'm actually 40. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, the common line being pushed by, like, kids that I knew, like, my age were, like, they're making a movie about Facebook? Yeah, (laughs) like Like, like the movie would be just, like, the Facebook screen for hours. But, like, (laughs) honestly, like, that does get to, like, a point that I think is really, like, it's a stupid complaint, but I think gets to something that's very smart about the movie, is that, like, there is a lot of, like, people just, like, staring at screens, like, posting, like, making websites, and it's just, like, that shit, I think, like, inherently is very difficult like like it's like the act of like writing or something like that it's difficult to make those like cinematic Mm -hmm. and i think like fincher does it through like the combination of like a baller score like very intense like rapid editing i think like getting like uh some moments where you have like Eisenberg's uh, narration, like you, you get tapped in, you get in the zone. You're like, especially when he does like the the opening, like the first like sort of hack where he's building out the rudimentary the, the sort of like smash or pass like algorithm that he does at the beginning. Face smash or whatever the yeah. fuck it's called. Fincher yeah. gets you like hyped in on that moment. You're like watching it happen. You're seeing it build, and I think like. He does it very smartly because you, like, see, like, the social elements of Facebook, like, externalized in terms of, like, you get, like, partying footage intertwined with, like, Eisenberg, like, alone at the room, like, clacking the keys away. I don't know. It's just impressive that, I I mean, certainly the story of, like, uh, the creation of a billion-dollar company is a fascinating one. But the particular Mm -hmm. route that he takes... Like, he does it with a lot of intensity and drama that I think is hard for, like, individuals that, while they may do, have accomplished, like, larger-than-life things, are pretty boring assholes.
3: Yeah, and I, I mean, that scene is one of the best montages in the film. I think montage is a huge part of what makes this film operate at such a high level, but... I'm not gonna do the farm animals, but I like the idea of comparing two people together. It gives the whole thing a very Turing feel, since people's ratings of the pictures will be more implicit than, say, choosing a number to represent each person's hotness like they do on hotornot.com. The first thing we're going to need is a lot of pictures. Unfortunately, Harvard doesn't keep a public centralized Facebook, so I'm going to have to get all the images from the individual houses that people are in. Let the hacking begin. masterpiece like every element that makes cinema is present at a very high level in this the staging framing editing uh you know the it's just like really incredible the the opening scene lays everything out as i said that's the most like coverage heavy scene and it's just pages and pages and pages of dialogue and it's just erica and Mark just going at it, you know, breaking up. There's all these great lines that will come back throughout the whole film. And toward the end, you know, she talks about how, you know, he's not going to have trouble getting girls because he's a geek. It's because he's an asshole. And if we take this scene as motivating his entire escapade here, it, it, it's what gets him to start drunkenly uh angrily blogging about her which is what leads to the face mash thing which is what leads to everything and we even see you know after his bad meeting with her he goes we have to expand you know it's very like militaristic maybe my favorite line and one top five line in the movie this time around for me was we have to expand so funny to me but everything is rooted in that scene and I think especially because when, he, when she calls him an asshole as his defining thing because of what Rashida Jones says at the end. You're not an asshole, Mark. You're just trying so hard to be. Very cutesy, yeah. p- putting a bow on it by Sorkin there. But I think that's his entire thing. He's like, he wants to be. That old school cigar chomping exec, but his generation's version of it. He wants to be an asshole. He thinks that undercutting his best friend Eduardo is gonna make Facebook successful enough to make Erica either fucking kill herself or get with him. You know, yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's it's really it feels like it's purely in spite of her, uh, especially like that's why he betrays Eduardo, and it becomes also in spite of him.
4: Well, all right. Here's here's an here's an interesting maybe a little detour or not detour, but I think, and I like that aspect of the movie. I think this movie is hilarious. Oh yeah. How much it slams Zuckerberg for that specifically. But I think maybe it's like the lack of nuance there makes it maybe (laughs) a little bit like too, like it's almost (laughs) to the point where it's like, this is kind of like a little bit silly. I'm sure it's a motivating factor, but it is this movie purely like, and, you know, maybe that's what makes it so compelling and gives it kind of uh, an emotional drive out of, like, maybe someone who might be otherwise pretty boring. You know what I mean? But it, it is funny how much it slams Zuckerberg for that. Yeah. And like, it, it, And she's it, only
3: also in, like, three scenes. Yeah.
4: It just has the weight of it. Yeah, yeah. Or just, like, the idea that, like, you know, even beyond that, the idea that Zuckerberg's doing this because he's, you know, is somewhat of a loser and he mm-hmm. wants upward mobility and like um and like I, like i feel like sometimes it's just like it's good but it, it you know maybe it's like with some more there's no nuance to that character and not every mm-hmm. character needs nuance but it is like i was going into it because i hadn't seen it in a while i kind of wanted it to be kind of like a prophetic masterpiece in a way and i it's very good and it's like you know but I, I, I don't think I'd quite use that word. It's more kind of like this very entertaining freight train mm-hmm. that comes through and slams you with all these, you know, kind of interesting characters, you know what I mean? Because, like, the um, the Hammer Bros, the Winkle, Winklevosses, are, are, are funny in their own right, kind of like as just, like, very, like, uh, normal, successful dudes, you know, talking about rowing and uh, Harvard and Harvard Law and the importance of that and uh so I, I i guess it's you know maybe feel free to if you guys disagree but i'd like there are there are moments where it's no, like it I, I feels feel like,
3: very screenwritery to yeah. make it the crux the way it is and i feel like fincher just kind of buys into that as the main angle of cynicism yeah. like look at this loser because yeah. anyone no even if you're the most like hustle grind motivate get the bag guy ever yeah. you're gonna find him kind of cringe yeah uh, and if you hate zuckerberg just for what he does you know on a day-to-day basis being the ceo of that company you're gonna also like in addition uh to it you're gonna be like oh he's also a loser you know yeah. and I, I i understand totally what you mean in terms of not being nuanced enough with that I think there's a version of this movie where maybe we see more of his personal life and maybe it's a little slower because of that, but that gets filled out more. I, I, I can see that for sure. I think this this movie is so much about surfaces and appearances, though, that you almost don't want to get into anyone's actual relationships. Like that relationship, all we see is the end of it. We don't see him date anyone else. We see Eduardo get with the crazy girl. Uh, Like it's and you know Sean Parker's fucking people along the way and stuff. And like it's it's a film about like. PR almost with it being this deposition and these you know public facing people it's it's really about surfaces more than their interiority which I think is a perfect thing for Fincher of all directors you know
4: that's a very good point JT were, were you, you were you were going to say something
2: I mean, yeah, I, like, certainly, like, yeah, I agree with the direction that Eddie is going. Because, like, again, I think it's, like, splitting hairs here in the sense where it's just, like, we both, or, I mean, all three of us, like, agree that this is a great film. It's just to varying degrees. I mean, I do feel like, for me, it is just, like, the slightest bit off uh, from being just, like, I don't know, like, five stars, like, masterpiece But it's pretty damn close. Like, I do think that, like, what Eddie is saying that I going – like, not going a more well-rounded route, like, suits the style that, like, Fincher operates with very well. Like, I think that, like, one – again, to sort of harken back to, like – Reviews and criticism I remember of the time were like people being that people saying like oh this is like the modern day Citizen Kane in the (laughs) sense where it's just like uh, I I, that comparison was going around in like 2010 all the time and it's like certainly there are some things that like hold up where it's just like yeah it's like about like a billionaire like like guy a man who's richer than God who is like an asshole. And, and, like, there are, like, certain, like, like very formally, like, well-made movies. But that is just such a different, like, approach and goes, I feel like, the more, like, if you want to, like, look at, like, a this type of guy as, like, a well-rounded, as, like, a, not, not like, well-rounded, but, like, as a real human being, I Kane takes that approach and this is just, like, not that. Operating yeah. on, like... It has a different goal in mind.
4: No, you're right. And that's why I guess I said like I had maybe almost had a, a different movie. I imagine that like this isn't quite it, but it's still like very great. And it mm. is, I think, Eddie, the point you made about it being about surfaces, I think is totally uh, plays into that. But, you know, it's funny. You bring up Kane and it is like, I mean, it, the guy made Mank. The guy made Mank, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Um, but it it is funny because it is like. One similarity I'll also pull is that, like, when I said this movie taught us a lot of lessons, this is how we view Mark Zuckerberg, Mm -hmm. and this is how, like, this. And you know, I think it's pretty much accurate. Let you know, maybe he didn't think about his ex girlfriend that much, but you know, uh, you know, fuck the X's and O's, like that. It seems, it seems (laughs) to be like, um, pretty similar. You know what I mean? And it's like same like Citizen Kane. It's like the the image of. Uh, William Randolph Hearst is always you know influenced by Citizen Kane and these movies are so convincing and so uh, um, just the way they move is you know so powerful that I feel like you're gonna like if you're just an average American you're not thinking about anything too deeply you're like oh yeah that's exactly what it was like Mm -hmm. that's that's basically the truth and I think it's closer to the truth than it being a lie but I think that's testament to the power of filmmaking um
3: back to that montage where he's creating the face mash hot or not thing i just love the attention to detail i mean this is where fincher is flexing on every level not just the the pace of the cutting with the incredible resner and ross score but you know like the shot of the ladies getting bust into the final club party uh where they're like it's clearly not in a bus this is the most like soundstage looking thing ever and fincher totally leans into the artificiality of it but the camera's just like dollying through the the middle aisle of this party bus while all these girls are you know pre-gaming or whatever getting ready to go to the party and then you cut back and you have stuff like uh, i don't know uh zuckerberg throwing a dart behind him and it lands right in his buddy's (laughs) screwdriver that he's drinking and it's like you you watch the behind the scenes and they did that 50 times to get it perfect like he can't look it has to be nonchalant the way he tosses it you know and knowing that fincher is that attuned to details you look for details like that and it's such a film of details it is like even more than gone girl i feel like there are so many shots that are maybe a second or two long that feel like they probably took a day to make Uh, because there's just so much going on in these montages so many different angles locations it's really not a coverage movie outside of the deposition stuff and the opening scene um it is really a film of like stringing one image to the next
4: i love how it will cat like montages are very could be very casual in this movie too just like the way it goes about things like i think uh kind of in the middle section of the movie where the vinkel like lose like a rowing race Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of just like random rowing montage that's just done masterfully and it's uh i really think the the way um Fincher and Sorkin tackle the Winklevosses are very funny, and like the way that they have them focus on stuff like that, like uh, like them always talking about their sailing routine, and you even get like multiple imi- like parts of them sailing. Yeah, it, that being a huge part of their image is uh. I'm six yeah. five, 6'5", 220, and there's two of me. No, yeah, there's, and this is probably my favorite Sorkin screenplay. It has and to be. I kind of don't like Sorkin, you know, is a, a position I'll take, but mm-hmm. I think. I've always assumed and I think it's you looking at some of the behind the scenes footage, I think it's true that Fincher really shaped this script in his image, you know what I mean, made it work for him in a way that suits his style. And you know, the problems that I, I've I vocalized are, you know, mostly come from like, you know, maybe things being like over telegraphed or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it Fincher really whips it into shape and I think that's that's something I really admire about it too like this this movie like i don't know like this movie could be like that steve jobs movie where it's just a bunch of people walking and talking and being being cringe you know what (laughs) i mean um uh you know no offense to the jobs lovers out there yeah i know there's a
3: few jobs lovers out there i don't i I can't quite you know what's weird is i did
4: see that movie multiple times in theaters but i cannot say it's any good you saw it from an entrepreneurial standpoint yeah i was just getting motivated yeah Yeah. Uh, i just like seth rogan oh true you gotta you gotta make him take a bite out of the apple man uh so
1: yeah
3: as we kind of speed through the first half here you know you have some great scenes like the uh caribbean night at the jewish fraternity great like ironic set design there. Mm -hmm. The production design in this movie is very sly. Uh, I feel like it's kind of making fun of its own environments a lot of times. Uh, Especially like the open floor plan office when they move Facebook to the bigger headquarters. You know, it's very like, yep, this is what all contemporary tech offices look like and they look soul draining despite yeah. appearing to look fun and cool you know um I, and you know going back to fight club fincher's great at eviscerating that kind of stuff yeah. hey by the way fight club not cringe i know yeah. if you're doing your uh what's in and what's out for this True. year the hot the hot rankings yeah yeah hot or not fight club's hot again if yeah. you care about coolness just so you know at the next Uh, meeting kind of thing they you know see bill gates and get some groupies uh, one of which becomes eduardo's girlfriend but one of my favorite scenes in this one of the funniest scenes at least is after they uh hook up with their groupies in adjoining stalls in the bathroom they're waiting for them to come out of the bathroom and it's just like for how fast this movie moves, it's a lot of time dedicated to them post nut presumably just like standing outside of a bathroom, smiling and nodding at each other, yeah. kinda. And uh... then a guy walks up. And...
0: Hey man, sorry. A couple of girls refreshing up in there. Sweet. That's
4: that's what's great about this movie is that it moves so fast. When it decides, when it takes a moment to to like stop and like ruminate in something, it is. It's usually quite, like, you know, hilarious and effective, like, and I love, I was going to bring up that scene if you didn't, yeah, like them outside the door, you know, just biggest grin on their face. (laughs) And then, and then immediately him seeing his ex-girlfriend and being, just ruining it. Ruining it. It is, it is. We uh, have to expand. Old, old Zuck can't give himself a win, huh? You know what (laughs) I mean? He can't enjoy one night out on the town. So, uh,
3: they do expand. It expands to Stanford, and that is where we meet, uh, Sean, not Baker. But Parker. I was a a sentence ahead of it. Just don't say Baker. Don't say Baker. Sean (laughs) Breadstock Baker. Um. Um, It's Canvas it's really great. It is kind of like how uh, you know it spreads like wildfire. in love me tonight. One of the songs. It's like well we're expanding to Stanford. Boom. Cut to a girl in Stanford panties uh, in the morning going to you know take a shower or whatever. Uh, Post coitus with our new friend Justin Timberlake, uh, who's hanging around college girls.
4: I, I love I love the little like are you fifteen joke they do yeah. back and forth, and then it comes up again. It's like Sean Sean uh, he loves hanging out with the 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 them college girls A bit prophetic yeah just just like Juicy J or something.
1: Like <laughs> <laughs> hey,
3: let's just say uh, Sean Parker isn't handed out scholarships like Juicy J. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, yeah, Sean Parker party legend, whatever you want to say about
2: him.
3: You know? <laughs> <laughs> so then we have the classic uh, Seanathon meeting scene, uh, as Andrew Garfield's character Eduardo calls it, uh, which ends with the classic line: "Drop the the, just Facebook." it's cleaner one of my favorite scenes honestly yeah. it's so good it's like Timberlake is so good at this oh, character yeah. and it's him as a pop star it's him using his pop star swag to just be like all right I just have to completely enrapture this guy
0: Easy. hey you know what settle an argument for us I say it's time to start making money from the Facebook but Mark doesn't want to advertise you who's right mm. neither of you get. the Facebook is cool that's what it's got going for yeah you don't want to ruin it with ads because ads aren't cool. Exactly. It's like you're throwing the greatest party on campus and someone's saying it's gotta be over by eleven. That's exactly right. You don't even know what the thing is yet. That's exactly. Right. How big it can get, how far it can go. This is no time to take your chips down. A million dollars isn't cool. You know what's cool? You yep. a billion dollars. That shut everybody up.
3: And he does it. And it's uh, obviously the least cool guy in the world is going to gleam onto that like nothing. Uh, we also have the scene of them at the nightclub, which has such an insane like crane shot going through all the people partying and then back up to the second level, landing into the shot, reverse shot setup of uh, Zuck and Parker talking. And it's just, there's so many flourishes like that that are just incredible throughout
2: It's funny because this movie has, like, I feel like movies that generally are about, like, partying, big money, like, college girls are very much so in the genre of, like, could be misinterpreted as, like, endorsements or, like, (laughs) damn, this shit is cool as fuck. yeah And, I mean, like, certainly, like, there's, like, a very outwardly, like, negative perspective. But even for, like, the dumb guy level of comprehension here... And the fact that, like, there there is, like, some irony in, like, the set design and what you're talking about. But, like, there's just, like, no swag. Even, like, <laughs> I mean, Timberlake coming in as, like, a, he's, like, the coolest pussy. It's just so <laughs> fucking funny. You know,
4: you're saying great Timberlake performance. It's, like, this might be, like, the only, like, really good Justin Timberlake performance that I could South think of. Soft. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, I that, like that him that in Loon Davis, too.
3: Yeah. in Luandate. Yeah, I, I haven't seen in Luandate. oh all right I'm mean, also it's quite, quite good in role.
4: Wonder Wheel well see I I don't know if I could say that even um, <laughs> passable and bad teacher but um <laughs> true <laughs> but I, I I guess I I would say this this like like this lengthened his acting career by another 10 years like I feel like people were really impressed by this and like you know to go back like this is like an incredible Eisenberg performance where it is like he really embodied a person in like, I don't know, like he he wrote the definition on this guy. Like, mm-hmm. There's no coming back for Zuckerberg after this. Like he must have, when he sold the rights to this movie, he must have thought, I wonder what, if he thought like it was going to be like semi-positive or eh, something. He like, care, dude. He's got the money truck backing in. I know, but it's just like. Fuck man, why would you have a movie of yourself made like this, man? It's like it's literally the biggest fucking hit piece of all time. Yeah, and that's a great point, JT. Where you're like, yeah, this isn't the woof of Wall Street. Like all this stuff isn't isn't cool. It's actually it's actually evil that Sean Baker does coke or whatever. (laughs) Sean Parker. (laughs) I know that was (laughs) that was intentional. Whenever something like like uh, any partying, anyone's doing a bong hit or something like that, it's not portrayed as a positive thing. This there is like. I do love Fincher and Sorkin's uh, scathing wag of the finger to everything involved here. There's there's no nothing but contempt for, you know, all the major characters here. Yeah, I mean when uh, Eduardo comes and visits the California
3: house, you know that's when you get the classic Timberlake, Uh, bong hit to
1: the two girls
3: on the couch, and he's like, how old are they? And it's like a little foreshadowing for like two scenes later when he gets busted with the underage girls. I didn't realize how closely those two were together, and I didn't really realize, I've seen this maybe like five times, I always forget how it comes to like that grinding halt, and I love that as a dramatic device, but it's really like just going, 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 and then you have the set piece of the shares being diluted after Eduardo freezes the accounts, And it's just one of the great dramatic set pieces uh, in Fincher's catalog. Just flat out one of the best moments in any Fincher film. Like that scene where, you know, he uh, first sees the lawyer, you know, and then you get a great shot from outside of the glass, kind of halfway between Zuckerberg and him at that point. Then you get the reverse shot of him looking at Zuckerberg with his headphones on. And then he just storms out there across for the confrontation. And I don't know. I just think it's such a perfectly staged and shot and acted set piece,
0: really. Uh, it's like the way, in. you know, Sorry. an
3: action film is an action, film is is an yes. action set piece. It's like a dramatic film. Uh, about you now? Really You're still really
0: wired, wired in? You. you wish your 24 million new shares of stock.
3: You were told that if new investors How came along... How much were your
0: shares diluted? How much were
1: his? What was Mr. Zuckerberg's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Mr. Moskovitz's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Sean Parker's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. What was Peter Thiel's ownership share diluted down to? It wasn't. And what was your ownership share diluted down to? 0.03%.
4: You signed the
0: papers. You set me up? You're gonna blame me because you were the business head of the company and you made a bad business deal with your own company? This is gonna be like I'm not a part of Facebook. It won't be like you're not a part of Facebook. You're not a part of Facebook. My name's on the masthead. You might want to check again. It's because I froze the account? You think we were gonna let you parade around in your ridiculous suits pretending you were running this Sorry, company? Sorry, my is and the cleaners! Along with my hoodie and my fuck you flip-flops, you pretentious douchebag! Security's here. You'll be leaving now? I'm not signing those papers. We will get the signature. Tell me this isn't about me getting into the phoenix. You. You did it. I knew you did it. You planted that story about the chicken. I didn't plant the story about the chicken. What's he talking about? you had me accused of animal cruelty. Seriously, what the hell's the chicken? And I'll bet what you hated the most is that they identified me as a co-founder of Facebook, which I am. You better lawyer up, asshole, because I'm not coming back for 30%. I'm coming back for
3: everything after that then we get the scene of Sean Parker getting busted for coke and that's pretty much it then we get the Rashida Jones and it's like oh damn life really did uh, you know life moves fast and comes to a grinding halt when you're in two million dollar lawsuits I guess yeah (laughs) Um, but I really do love that ending with Rashida Jones where she tells him of course you know
4: you're not an asshole Mark you're just trying
3: so hard to be and it's such a funny ending man where he just fucking friend requests her and refreshes 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 and it's shot reverse shot of him in the computer screen and we're moving closer in on him as uh baby you're a rich man starts playing and yeah i don't know i just
4: think that's such a funny ironic ending basically same ending as like Moneyball, ball too mm-hmm. right you when you think about it so sort of can reuse that yeah, no, it is It is kind of funny how, like, open-ended it is, you know what I mean? Or, like, it kind of, like, with, like, with all the condemnation you've been giving Zuckerberg so far, you kind of, you know, expect there would know, be kind of, like, this big uh, dramatic rug being taken from under his feet, right? But that I guess that what gives it so much weight is, like, yeah, this guy potentially ripped off a couple of, you know, buff twins... You know r- definitely ripped off like his closest friend, and like what happened to him? He's the most successful guy ever, and that's and that's and that you know what I mean. And, that, and that's and, our world, and that's our world, and yeah, maybe that's what it takes to get to the top. Who knows? I, I get why people were enthralled by this at the time, and I, you know, I was too. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. JT, JT, we need you here.
2: What, what you about
3: say? star ratings? Oh, star ratings? I, I, I'll go four and a half bullets, I'll go four. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm gonna go four and a half uh as well I was just doing a little quick research because I was like I don't know I always like to sometimes do like a step back dig deeper in my autourism, and I was like there like the Sorkin script like has a lot in like shaping the cynicism for like sort of rich like prep like kids kind of a thing I, I was like I'm gonna bet like that Fincher, like certainly I feel like to some extent, like came from like a well house or like a well off house. But I was like he probably didn't come from like means. Or I was like there's not gonna be an Ivy on like yeah. his uh, wiki page. Didn't uh, didn't even go to college. Just a man grinding his way to the top, and you can see that sort of like I don't know, like all across the board of just, like, the culture of people here. Just, like, like Zuck might have been... Like, while the motivation memes may present him as grinding, the work he did was not that. And just sort of, like, stabbing in the back, like, uh, taking money that, like, others had to sort of, uh, I don't know, build build his way to the top. You can just see... I, I don't know it's nice to see like a, a near masterpiece that has like such seething contempt but I feel like has an appropriate target like there are few movies that I feel like that are as cynical and like contemptuous of like their subject matter that I feel like would be deserving of such but it's just fun to be I, I don't know it's fun to. it's like a fun mean this movie.
4: It is. It is. I think that's good. A, a good point because it's like usually I don't know that could be almost like a negative comment, right? Where you're like a movie's too contemptuous, contemptuous of its like main character. But I guess I think you know, given who Zuckerberg is and what he's done, you know what I mean. It's it's appropriate enough. So it's it, you know maybe that's how you kind of get away, get get around that and get a way to get some of your anger out. You know what I mean. It's like deserving targets. You know what I mean. Um, Mark Zuckerberg lock him up lock him up yeah well that's i mean social network too that would hit hard right because it's like it's only if you thought that was bad you know him being mad over a girl or something you should should see what he did after that you know what (laughs) i mean not so not so great after that either
3: so that's gonna do it on the social network um i believe we do have an email this week really i know wow It comes from Aiden. It says, Hey guys, big fan of the pod. The Master has been my favorite movie since I was like 16. And I loved hearing your thoughts on the general genius of the movie. You briefly touched on PTA's Radiohead stuff, but I was surprised there was no mention of how great Greenwood's score is. Ranking the collabs is basically impossible, but this is definitely the top tier one for me. How would you guys rate the Master's score versus the other PTA Johnny Greenwood efforts? johnny greenwood green efforts green word he said the green word uh, <laughs> uh love uh, no. the love the pod glad to have your back yeah glad to have you back no wait
4: you don't have our back well, I, maybe he does i don't know i don't know yeah
2: Aiden. yeah You he rides with us and
4: Aiden, Aiden, reach out to us i'm sure you have our back um what are, so it's the it's master the master there will be blood uh phantom thread
3: Inherent Vice, Junoon, Junoon. Technically, um, uh, I don't know if Pizza has one piece of Greenwood, but it doesn't count. Uh, I like the Inherent Vice score the best, I guess. If we're just talking about the score,
4: I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I'm. Fam- I, I'm not like intimate with all these scores enough to like, uh, like individually rank them. And you know, I love a good score in a movie, right? I, I do have to say, I'm not much of like a score head. I don't like... Yeah, I don't go back and listen. To I them. don't really go back and listen to scores. But I will say, after watching The Master, I did enjoy kind of like the first piece mm-hmm. so much with like kind of like the violins. I did go that go and listen to that a couple times, put it on like a little playlist or two. Mm. So it is, I, I guess I'd have, you know, recency bias, of course, but I really do love that Master score. And it, you know, as someone who's not like a score head for me to go reach out and be like, I need more of that score. I think that speaks to its quality. So JT.
2: Um, Yeah. It's probably either the master or inherent vice for me, but I feel like we're like, that's like, I feel like that is short changing phantom thread mm. being a phantom thread. Ooh, yeah. Uh yeah. Because yeah, that, that one like, is
3: a great score.
2: Th- it's fantastic. So that's pretty close there in terms of like listening to scores. Like I'm, i'm something of a score head not like all the time but it depends on uh it depends on the score if you can like work to it or like bop around the city like recently uh like obviously the fincher like reznor collabs yeah, dude. are like some great Absolutely, scores. Yeah. i listened and, to that
3: gone girl one actually quite a bit
2: sugar yeah Storm, that one yeah, dude yeah I uh I just re- before this episode I rewatched uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and I've been like uh, like listening to that score a lot just walking around the city. Hell yeah.
4: I haven't I haven't gone back to collect the MP3 files, but The Crimes of the Future score is some is something that stands out in my head. And I love mm-hmm. a good some Howard Shore. I love a good Howard Shore
1: score. All
3: right, let's not get too wrapped up in score talk. Uh <laughs> <laughs>
4: We could sit here all day trying to score. We could sit know.
3: here all damn day uh, I mean, uh, trying to score. You know what I mean? Hey, we'll be back in a couple weeks on Extended Clip with Josh Lewis. He'll be here in person. Uh, we're flying him out just for the pod. <laughs> Put
4: him in the hot seat. We're gonna, yeah, email questions you want us to ask Josh Lewis. The stuff you think he you know he wouldn't answer, like a question he'd skip over usually. Yeah. We're going to get him to answer it here live on Extended Clip.
3: And, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Our Daily Bread by King Vidor and Still Life by Jaj Unka. That'll be a banger. That's some, that's a high, that's some highbrow shit right there. See, Josh is kind of low key a communist. That's why he picked those two. <laughs> Me? I'm more capitalist.
4: Yeah. I'm more about, uh, you know, I'm more like Zuckerberg in that retrospect. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, <laughs> all right, well, we'll see you soon enough. Uh bong
0: hit. And then I gently whisper to her, oh, Nuts to you. That's how I say I love you too. Sad but true. That's what a poor apache must do. I was found in a basket in front of a church, but my childhood was not very scented. I didn't know my mother, who didn't know my father. My parents were not well acquainted. I soon joined my gang, who taught me their slang, and how to pick pockets, and rob girls of lockets. I learned how to slouch in the way.
1: Uh, bomb hit?